in a world, in a world, in a world, in a world, in a land, in an age, in the future, in every age, in the future. Okay, this is the trailer park. Jimmers, are you present? Here. Uh, <clears throat> Jeffrey. I am here as well. Fantastic. Let's go ahead and talk about the trailers that we've watched this week. There was a movie that I heard about down the line a while ago, because you guys know that uh, I'm a bit of a fan of the horror film genre. Uh, this one is a zombie movie. You from especially the love the zombie movies. I do. We do. I, me. I thought we all love zombies. Well, yeah, movies but you, you're yeah. more of a super freak about it, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like a, I read the novels and <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so when I, I, I saw that I think it was Elijah Wood that was in this movie. Uh, I was on the IMDb one day and I'm like, oh, what's this? What the fuck is this cuties thing? And I clicked on it. I'm like, oh my god, that looks great. <laughs> It also has Rain Wilson from The Office, if you're a fan of that show. But uh, there we go, guys. What, what are you thinking about cooties? Some little kids are going to get their hands on this, and it's going to fuck them up. <laughs> the virus is propagated by school lunch, and I don't think that there's a soul out there who has much affinity for school lunches anyway. The yeah. chicken uh, but I, It's in the chicken nugget. We already... <laughs> We already have the hashtag thanks Michelle Obama phenomenon anyway. I, I could just imagine this shit. Hashtag thanks Michelle Obama. Yeah. But we have, like all these, we have all these documentaries about, you know, um, forks over knives and all these documentaries about Monsanto yeah, and that. stuff. Like there's already like this collective zeitgeist that like everybody's afraid of overprocessed foods. And also like these are like governmental, federally subsidized public school processed oh, foods. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. like there's this like fear. Like, what are we doing to the next generation? And it sounds like really cliche, but I think it's like deeper than that. The weird thing is, we know that we're like fucking them physically, we're fucking them <laughs> mentally, but like there's there's like not much we can do about it. Well, you know, everything everything from the government is evil. I mean, the other day I was uh, on the highway driving to the library, just telling, just talking to somebody on the phone about it. Well, I'm not just talking about, like... being evil? Yeah. I'm not just talking about, like, the Going to the library, driving on the highway, get it? Get it? Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. (laughs) I'm I'm just, like, even if you're not of that particular persuasion, you know, it's it's sort of like liberals are scared of, like, processed foods in Monsanto, and Republicans are afraid of government subsidies, and school lunch is, like... Yeah, and school lunch is a combination of both, because a black cafeteria lady serves you the processed lunch made by Monsanto. <laughs> that's that's true. Dun, dun, dun. It's, it's not like we're just screwing our progeny. It's like the knowledge that we have to screw our progeny, and we can't stop ourselves, because that would require no. us giving up our first world standard of living and so forth. <laughs> Uh, we we yeah we would have to have more subsistence farming and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think I'm actually interested to see if there is some sort of political subtext with this movie, like what you're talking about, or if it's just uh, a but it, goof fest. Yeah, I mean, I, it probably will have something, but it, it looks entertaining as far as a zombie film goes. Uh, there really isn't much scarier than 
little kid zombies, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just want to be clear. I am not a teacher. I do not know <laughs> any teachers. I no. do not associate no. with teachers. But I can't imagine that like teachers would it's watch weird, this and like really I know get two off. Teachers at least. Oh, you sicko. Why don't you go vote for Democrats? But, uh, like, there was an article in The Onion a few months back, and it was called, uh, it was Department of Education Study Finds Teaching These Little Shits No Longer Worth It. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like this is going to be like, um, I I feel like teachers are going to watch cooties, and this is going to be like their fantasy. Like, maybe one day I'll have some (laughs) excuse to murder them with a croquet mallet. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah. Did you see that video of the the one teacher that got in a fight with one of the students? No. No, I hope he won. I hope the, the student was in critical condition and paralyzed for life. I mean, yeah, if you're going to do it, make it worth it, goddammit. <laughs> and did you see that he stormed out into the hall and, you know, you're like, oh, man, what's he going to do? Is he going to go get a weapon or what? And, you know, is he going to, what's he going to do? He started masturbating. <laughs> God damn it, I can't take it anymore. Fat, 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 Oh my god. Yeah, there was a great article I saw about a year ago. Like, different cultures responded stress differently. You know what I mean? And that's just this physiological response. Like, that's fine. That's that's a better way than most. I think teachers should get a beat room to, like, not beat children, but to beat me. (laughs) Fuck this. I'm going to the beat room, guys. Fuck standardized testing. It's time to go masturbate. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Uh, so, uh, anything else in particular you're looking forward to in this film? No, I, think- I, I just, I'm looking forward to someday, like, there's a movie that's going to come out, and it'll make me take Elijah Wood seriously, but I haven't seen that Ooh. yet. It looks fun. Oh. The movie looks really fun. Yeah, it does. It does. I agree. It looks fun. So the next trailer that we're going to discuss is, looks like it's going to be pretty big fair. It stars, <sighs> that's right, That's a that right there was a, a loaded sigh, guys. It stars <laughs> Adam Sandler. The Culture Dig Facebook posted something about Adam Sandler a little while ago. Had to do with the ice shelves are melting from Antarctica. And like Adam Sandler's career, we have only ourselves to blame. Yeah. yeah. Just, I don't have much love for this guy at all. Still love Happy Gilmore. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, I even love Waterboy. That's probably my favorite one. But that, like, that for me, like, that's yeah. the cutoff. Everything after that has been absolutely terrible. He does, like, I don't even think he takes it seriously. Yeah. You don't have, like, in good performances or comedy or anything anymore. Yeah, but you guys don't have, like, a metric shit ton of 90s nostalgia. You don't have a ton of salge. <sighs> Adam Sandler I feel like uh, I do I have a little bit mm-hmm. you know because like I remember watching him and like Mike Myers and Dana Carvey Norm MacDonald David Spade Chris Farley like, that was like to me the golden age of Saturday Night Live so yeah I do have some nostalgia for it but uh, not maybe as much as you do yeah well alright I, I felt like I was watching this trailer we're talking about a certain trailer it's called Pixels and yeah. I don't know if that's going to sound. By the way, we're talking about pixels. By the way, we're talking about <laughs> pixels. Yeah. And um, I was like, man, this movie looks like a dog turd. And then I saw Adam Sandler, and it was like everything suddenly made sense. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm like, oh, it's that movie. I, I didn't know anything about this in advance, but as soon as I saw Adam Sandler, it's like it put the the tone that the movie was going after into um, 
It uh, does. It very quickly like, put it into perspective for me. I want to hope it's more than just another Adam Sandler movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually, I, I love the premise of this idea because, you know, speaking of nostalgia. Yeah, I, like, I love this. I, have, I like the premise, yeah, too, the, when it was called Star Trek 1. Oh, shit. Yeah, but that, that movie wasn't even very good. V'ger. But I'm still uh, betting it's going to be better than did this. not fucking deploy Pac-Man and Centipede and Galaga <laughs> and all that shit. But it's the same thing. Hey, all right. It's, it's V'ger with video games that we send in the space, because this is how we would represent our I mean, by that society. token, wasn't isn't the plot for Star Trek Four about the same, too? But that, I, what, what are you talking about, with the whales? We didn't send whales, whales in the space. The whales, they did that under the right No, no, but no, the, there, was some, there was some alien presence coming to Earth to destroy Earth because there were no fucking whales. Almost like the cetaceans were, like, colonists that they dropped off a long time ago. Now they're checking up on them or some shit like that. Oh... Uh, Prometheus, maybe? Uh, anyway. <laughs> what actually gives me hope about this movie, guys, and I'm going to throw it out there, and I hope you guys picked up on it. I'm pretty sure you would have. The Dink. Oh, yeah. Is <laughs> is he, like, just by default going to be in every movie? At least, you know uh, what I mean? He always, I he might was, be okay with that. Yeah, he was in, I was just watching, like, totally by chance. Like, last week, I was watching X-Men Days of Future Past. And oh yeah! Of course, like they snuck him in there, but they always—he's uh, not sneaking in. He's one of the they, ma- he's the major antagonist. No, I think they sneak him in because because he always has a small role. Oh, oh pun! Oh, I heard that pun. Yeah, is it okay to, to still say stuff? I don't know if that's PC or not. I'm not sure. Uh, I might be going to hell for this. Well, I think the PC term for them is little people. So calling it a small role, it, it probably really isn't a, a big deal. Well, that's okay because if you if you watch the interview with him uh, and John Stewart, John Stewart talks about having a bunch of about uh, George R. R. Martin having a, a a team of mini me's in the back helping him write. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> you just said that to Peter Dinklage, man. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of Peter Dinklage, have, have you Jimmers? Have you watched uh, Knights of Bad Aston yet? No. Oh, dude. oh my god. D- god damn it, Jimmers. You have one fucking job. One. <laughs> and it's not watching movies all day. Cause, um, anyway, uh, so as far as Pixels, what, what do we think? Are you guys look like grain of salt on this one? Are you going to maybe see it in the theater? Or no. are you like, I am no. not seeing that in the theater. No way. I, I feel like when I watch trailers now, I always kind of like watch them. Like I know just enough about Hollywood. That I kind of like always like watch it through this eye, like I'm trying to figure out like what the studio's angle is with it. And yeah. the thing about this one, I felt like if I were under 12 years old, I which is a polite way of saying semi-retarded, but we're not allowed to say that anymore. If I were under uh, 12 yeah, years you're not old, Shelley, you're not Shelley Duvall. Yeah, minimally, minimally exceptional. Yeah. Oh god, that's even worse. I I freaking hate that word. <laughs> but I feel like oh people. I I feel like like. They're going to be ten-year-olds that are going to watch it and think it's an action movie, and then everyone who is mature is going to look at it and see Adam Sandler and Peter Dinklage and just assume like it's a comedy with maybe a little bit of you know sprinkling of nostalgia with Pac-Man and Donkey Kong. Uh, it looks pretty and, and heavily like, sprinkled. You're trying to go after every demographic at the same time, and that's how this thing is supposed to pan out. But no, I, I have yeah. no interest. I don't think I've been fooled. I think it's going to drop in the uh, summer doldrums when the big summer movies are kind of out of the way, so there's not any real competition. Don't want to watch it in the theater by any stretch. God, no, I don't want to spend my money to watch it like that. Including Peter Dinklage does make me at least want to see it. Otherwise, like, I don't watch Adam Sandler movies anymore at all. What What does Peter Dinklage have to do in this movie? Because he's in the end for, like, two seconds 
with a mullet just sitting in a car. Like, it looks like he just has a cameo. What the, no, it's not a cameo. What oh, happened, really? What the story goes is these aliens are attacking Earth with our old video, you know, Atari video yeah, yeah, games. Yeah. And each one of them represents the best at a particular oh, video game. Like yeah, Adam okay. Sandler right. was like the Pac-Man king. Yeah. Yeah, he was supposed to be like the best at Pac-Man and he's in jail or something. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. two different trailers like for it. So it's like an updated version of The Wiz. Wait, Wasn't I thought you were talking Wiz, about The Wizard? The, what, the, isn't, the isn't The Wiz about the African-American version of Wizard of Oz? Oh, yeah, <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> whichever one when he was like... I definitely don't think it's that, Jeff. Ever, whichever one was like he was a champion Nintendo player. I own that movie. Is that the thing with, like, <laughs> I own love that movie? the power uh, I bought it in a 10-pack at Target one day because it had uh, one of my all-time favorite 80s movies uh, for me. I mean, I'm saying I'm not going to say that it's really that awesome, but I love it. It's Cloak and Dagger. I don't remember. I don't know. Dabney Coleman and, uh, oh, Henry, shit, the kid, Henry Thomas, the kid from E.T., and it's my, that movie's my oh. childhood, so... Yeah, we used to watch that. Yeah, with the video, yeah, like the video game cartridge or whatever. Uh, so, like, I was at Target, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Clo-. Like, I, I had no, it did not register the fact that I was buying nine other movies with this pack. It was like, "Oh, Cloak and Dagger," I'm buying that. I didn't get home. Like, I got home. I'm like, "Oh, hey, look, there's more movies in here." So yeah, uh, <laughs> I actually watched The Wizard fairly recently. It was in the last probably six months or so. Definitely seems in that vein, and I think. Growing up in that day, you know, that day and age, I think it was it's sort of hearkening to some fantasies that many pre- people probably had back then. Well, I had an Atari. I mean, it's like the last Starfighter, too. I mean, that was, oh, he's a video game, testing how he's going to do, and then it ends up being real. Like, we always wanted these video games to become real. And <laughs> this Pixels movie looks like actualization of that. The last one we're going to talk about is something near and dear to at least one of our hearts, and Jimmer's. You're the one who sent me this link originally, so I'm going to let you introduce this. All right. This is the Jurassic World InGen, which is the company, the bioengineering company within the Jurassic Park universe, supposed advertisement, which is really just a promotion for Jurassic World. Yes. So it, it isn't a direct trailer, so we're not cheating, but it really is a trailer. Yes. And by the way, like for Jurassic World, You've seen the teaser, you've seen the trailer, you've seen that leaked clip. Uh, what was the story with that? I don't know where that clip came from, where it's supposed to be the Raptor Wrangler talking to the bioengineer, and he's like, hey, want to come back to my bungalow and fuck? And she's like, um, no thank you. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? I, I know, yeah, like, fan reaction. Uh, I, I haven't really figured out how to cut that and, scene. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard interacting in this really awkward manner. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was horrible, and I hope from fan reaction they know to cut the scene. But this is the best thing I've seen for Jurassic World so far. And it looks like it contains absolutely nothing related to the actual movie itself. True. So it's, it's like the advertising team for Jurassic World is producing better media than the actual filmmakers at this point. Um, yeah. I, this isn't a reboot. This is definitely a sequel, right? Yeah. I, that's the impression I'm under. Yeah. Of course, the first one is pretty damn classic, but uh, where do you fall in the uh, sequel department as far as what has come before? Third was better than the second one, I thought. Jimmers? Okay, we're talking about the la- like the Lost World in Jurassic Park 3, right? Correct. The Lost World, I really liked the novel. The movie was a big letdown, because I feel like the Lost World novel was almost as good as Jurassic Park. Like, it really wasn't as good, but it was almost as good as Jurassic Park. 
Yeah. Uh, Jurassic Park 3, I don't know what the hell happened. This looks more like Jurassic Park 3 than anything else. Um, I, I just I feel like the, the thing about this weird viral pseudo-advertisement from InGen, it's supposed to be like a bunch of bioengineers with PhDs, but they're all like 25 and hot. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like... <laughs> So what university was that? Because I'm going into the doctoral program right now. Yeah. Um, but some of them wear glasses, so you know they're smart. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, but, but Dr. Like Wu looks... Yeah, Dr. Wu looks good. He looks like younger oh, than like the original Jurassic Park from 93-94. Like, he, he looks like he's going I'm pretty sure that guy's like 50 yeah, he, I, in real life. Yeah, he's like 35 in Jurassic Park from like 20 years ago. So what the... He's gotta be. Yeah, he's gotta be like around 50. I, I would think yeah. maybe even older than that. B.D. Wong is his name. Maybe he's incorporating some of the in-gen technology to, you know, strengthen the telomeres on his DNA. That actually sounds like a better premise for a movie than what I'm seeing from the trailers. <laughs> but Yikes. I like, it. I like he's got the Steve Jobs sweater. Like, this actually looks like a real tech company rollout yeah, yeah. advertisement for their IPO or something. Yeah, I thought so, too. And I, I got to learn what a, um, a manoraptorin theropod was you remember the part of talking about what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, yeah. And Dr. No, we know the answer. That's my favorite part of it. He's like, it was obviously an egg laid by a manoraptorin theropod that hatched into a chicken. <laughs> oh, by the way, like, guys, right, that's BD pretty Wong, good. BD that's Wong good. was born in 1960. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and he looks, right. like, like you said, he looks like he might be 30. Yeah, he looks good. Damn. I tell you, incredible. man, Asians and their genetics, oi. I always laugh at that question. Oh, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And it's like, uh, fish lay eggs. Done. Yeah, I agree. Jimmers, you're not looking forward to this movie? Apparently not. Uh, you know what? You're I know looking, I'm going to see it. You're looking at more bastardization of, of the franchise? Yeah, well, I mean, like, the point of the first movie is that you cannot open a theme park filled with dinosaurs because they're just going to eat everyone first chance they get. And it looks like the premise of this movie is that, like, you can open a theme park filled with dinosaurs for, like, a decade, but then eventually they're going to eat the people. And I'm like, no, I think they're going to eat the people sooner rather than later. This looks like some bullshit, but... I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, this this looks like they have a very competent advertising team for it. I, I like the advertisement more than anything else I've seen so far from the movie. Well, here was it tells you how far advertising's gone. Here was my suggestion when I saw the first one. Uh, herbivores only. Uh, that would yeah, that would actually help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but those kids want to see a T-Rex. Oh, oh, fuck the T-Rex. Nobody's going to pay $10,000 a day to see a How about put the T-Rex on his own fucking island? Because, you know, they're in that little island chain. And just, like, fly mm-hmm. people over. Fly people over. <laughs> do not. I think that on. was the premise of the third movie. And then the plane lands for some reason. And then it, the Spinosaurus comes up and it's everything. And it takes over the, the helicopter and it's like, yeah. get to the chopper! <laughs> right. The Velociraptors figure out how to fly jet airplanes. And, uh, yeah. Shit. Like, that's the movie. Like, wait, wait. That's the movie I want to see next. <laughs> well, did you guys hear, like, all this stuff? Because they've been talking about Jurassic Park 4 for, like, the last six, seven years. They've been talking about it off and on. And originally it was supposed to be the government-bred Velociraptors with Gatling guns built into their backs. Oh, to fucking be used awesome. as Yeah, like, to be used as, like mercenary they were going to be biological weapons not in like the sense that we think of them like anthrax but they were going to like send them into war zones just to like kill everything okay and... like as as lame as that sounds it also sounds fucking awesome yes Beyond i know my inner child that could actually have a great fucking story right because i feel like we're giving something that's like semi quasi plausible 
and it looks like dog shit. So I'm like, I would rather just go the over-the-top ridiculous thing. And yeah, agreed. Like, I, w- I would at least have, like, the recourse knowing that it's not real, real, real <laughs> Jurassic Park. How about this? Tyrannosaurus with fucking Bigfoot wheels. <laughs> just, like, My rolling over shit. My daughter already has that toy. Oh, uh, yeah. That's the, that's the shit I want to see versus Velociraptors with guns on their backs. Yeah. And when are the Velociraptors finally going to have feathers? No, oh, they kind of put a couple of their necks in Jurassic Park 3. Did you see that? It was weird, because they mixed up, they had, like, some old-school Velociraptors, like, from Jurassic Park, and then because they knew they were supposed to have feathers, they gave a few of them, like, some flourishes on their neck and stuff. I believe that's going to close the trailer park for this week. So, get off your pickup trucks, put away your PBR, get inside the trailers, y'all. It's Buchacha. I'm out. Later. See ya. Jeff out. Later. You know something? You're right, Tuck. I'm going to do it. All right. I'm going to do it right now. All right, hold up, hold up, hold up. All right, no. Whatever you say, just smile and laugh. Now it's time for my science, history, and technology segment I call Cool Shit. Cool. 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 Shit. Cool. Cool. Shit. My first story, saved from bacteria by the skin of sharks' teeth. Did you know that sharks don't have teeth? Say what? They don't have teeth, or at least not teeth like we have. Shark's teeth are actually specialized scales, and their mouth is not the only place you find specialized scales. A shark's skin is covered in little teeth-like scales called dermal denticles. Say what? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you! In fact, shark's skin is so rough, it's the original sandpaper and was used by carpenters since time immemorial. Japanese swordsmiths used ray, skate, and shark's skin to add grip to the katana. So when the samurai's hands got bloody, his sword remained steadfast and firmly held. Now, a whale's skin is easily mucked up with barnacles, algaes, bacteria, and other sea creatures. Ew, seriously? That is so gross. But sharks, on the other hand, stay squeaky clean. Although these parasites can touch a shark's skin, they can't take hold and thus simply wash away. Now, scientists have printed that pattern on an adhesive film that will repel bacterial pathogens from hospitals and public restrooms. Part 2 of Fuck MRSA just snuck up on you. Patented by Sharklet Technologies, a Florida-based biotech company. Holy shit, good things can come out of Florida? The film, which is covered with microscopic diamond-shaped bumps, is the first surface topography proven to keep bacteria at bay. In tests in a California hospital, for three weeks, the plastic sheeting's surface prevented dangerous microorganisms such as E. coli and Staphylococcus aureus from establishing colonies large enough to infect humans. Bacteria have an easier time spreading out on smooth surfaces, says CEO Joe Baggin. We think they come across this surface and make an energy-based decision that this is not the right place to form a colony. Because it doesn't kill the bacteria, there is also little chance of microbes evolving resistance to it. Hey. It worked for sharks for 40 million years. 
Oh no, now you did it. The young earth creationist Christian scientists will now come out in favor of bacterial infections. Good job. Anyways, this is good news for hospitals. More infections from drug-resistant superbacteria like MRSA, a potentially fatal strain of staph, are becoming commonplace. Ew, seriously? That is so gross. But that's not all the technology based on shark skin denticles can do. Another function of natural shark skin denticles is to reduce drag, and some aircraft, navy, oil, and cargo ships have started experimenting with denticle-like surfaces and expect significant fuel savings as a result. Our next story, it's no pottery barn. Gobekli Tepe is an archaeological site at the top of a mountain ridge in the southeastern Anatolia region of Turkey. The site includes two phases of ritual use dating back to the 10th to 8th millennia BCE, or before current era. During the first phase, or the pre-pottery and Neolithic A, circles of massive T-shaped stone pillars were erected. More than 200 pillars in about 20 circles are currently known through geophysical surveys. Each pillar has a height of up to 6 meters, or 20 feet, and weighs up to 20 tons. They are fitted into sockets that are hewn out of the bedrock. In the second phase, or pre-pottery Neolithic B, the erected pillars are smaller and stood in rectangular rooms with floors of polished lime. Topographical scans have revealed that other structures next to the hill awaiting excavation probably date back to 14 to 15,000 years ago, the dates of which potentially extend backwards in time to the concluding millennia of the Pleistocene, predating the end of the last ice age. While the site formerly belongs to the earliest Neolithic or pre-pottery Neolithic A, up to now no traces of domesticated plants or animals have been found. The inhabitants are assumed to have been hunter-gatherers, who nevertheless lived in villages for at least part of the year. So far, very little evidence of residential use has been found. Through the radiocarbon dating method, the end of layer 3 can be fixed at about 9000 BCE, but it is believed that the elevated location may have functioned as a spiritual center by 11,000 BCE or even earlier. The surviving structures, then, not only predate pottery, metallurgy, and the invention of writing or the wheel, they were built before the so-called Neolithic Revolution, in other words, the beginning of agriculture and animal husbandry, around 9000 BCE. But the construction of Gobekli Tepe implies organization of an advanced order not hitherto associated with Paleolithic societies. Around the beginning of the 8th century BCE, Gobekli Tepe lost its importance. Aww. The advent of agriculture and animal husbandry brought new realities to human life in the area, and Gobekli Tepe apparently lost whatever significance it had had for the region's older foraging communities. But the complex was not simply abandoned and forgotten to be gradually destroyed by the elements. Instead, each enclosure was deliberately buried under as much as 300 to 500 cubic meters of refuse consisting mainly of small limestone fragments, stone vessels, and stone tools. Why the enclosures were buried is unknown, but it preserved them for prosperity. And now it's time for a quickie, pun intended. A new study by the University of Texas Health Science Center in Houston. Wait, a show where I can talk about good things that came out of Florida and Texas? Holy shit! 
The study found that men who consumed between 85 and 170 milligrams of caffeine a day, or the equivalent caffeine level of two to three cups of coffee or tea, were 42% less likely to report erectile dysfunction than those who didn't consume any. <laughs> Men who consume between 171 and 303 milligrams of caffeine a day were 39% less likely to report a soft, <laughs> unimpressive, <laughs> flaccid <laughs> outlook on sexuality. Caffeine sources in the study included tea, soda, and sports drinks, as well as coffee. But how does it work? Well, the caffeine makes the muscles in the penis more relaxed. And those relaxed peen muscles mean increased blood flow and boom! Not tough actin' to actin', but stronger erections. Or, as the researchers put it, the suggested biological mechanism is that caffeine triggers a series of pharmacological effects that lead to the relaxation of the penile helicine arteries and the cavernous smooth muscles that line the cavernosal spaces, thus increasing penile blood flow. You know, <laughs> he has an erection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, what your parents warned you about was right. Well, caffeine can get you up in the morning. It might keep you up at night as well. <sighs> oh, sorry. Just having a sip of tea. Erection. Erection by Narkill. Do you want to know the secret? If I could be a superhero, I would be awesome man. I'd fly around the world fighting crime according to my awesome plan. Hey. Uh, hello? There's a series made by NBC from 1967 to 1971 called NBC Experiment in Television. Hello? Can anybody hear me? And in 1969, they aired a movie called The Cube. Now, the opening shot zooms out from an extreme close-up of this guy's face. This guy is kind of a square. He's a white 30-something and a button-down and tie and khakis. And he's looking around confusedly. This is weird. He's asking for help. Hello. Can anyone hear me? And he's in this white room comprised of white rectangles on the walls and floor. That's apparent. He just wants out. What, what is this, a joke? Alright, come on, let me out of here. So, in walks this maintenance man through a door that spontaneously opens the wall of the cube, and he brings this unnamed man a stool. The maintenance man wipes strawberry jam off the stool. Oh, there's strawberry jam on this stool. This maybe the unnamed guy is kind of accepting of the whole thing. Like, he never says, this is fucking insane, who drugged me and locked me up in this box? Like, if something is truly strange, you don't just keep saying, this is strange, this is strange. Can I go home now? You say, what the fuck? Get out of my way. 
So there are doors that are open that he chooses not to walk through sometimes during the movie. It's like he's sort of complicit in the whole business. You get the idea that he hates the cube, but he kind of needs the cube at the same time. So this guy is sort of stuck in this room. And for the next 45 minutes, he gets a profession of visitors, all the while wondering why he can't just leave. This procession includes every aspect of society, really of life. There's a wayward little boy on a tricycle, innocence and youth. It's a beautiful seductress, sexuality and procreation. Then even she slowly transforms into an old hag, a mortality and death. Is this real? But it has all these more specific aspects of 60s American society, too. Sort of like the movie version of Don McLean's American Pie. Like, let me summarize all of the 1960s America for you in very abstruse metaphors in ten minutes. So, into the cube walks a black liberation activist, a send-up of the Beatles, a bourgeois dinner party in which all the guests exchange upmarket platitudes, a scientist who speaks only in quantum paradoxes. And there's a monk of the New Age persuasion. And he enters the cube and gives the man a Ramadar. I give you the Ramadar. It's this orb-shaped sort of dingus that he hangs on the wall like a picture. The monk says it contains the meaning of life. Think on this. Meditate on the Ramadar, and it will bring you peace. Think on the Ramadar, and it will bring you all. Think on the Ramadar, and it will bring you is. But it makes this incessant buzz, so the man takes his stool and uses it to smash the Ramadar. And what is it filled with? Strawberry jam. So the man is at his wit's end, but he sympathizes with at this point in the film. So, the guy gives a speech to all the strange players who've been in and out of his cube on how no one can affect who he really is, how his existence is irreducible and undeniable and all that good stuff. You know, it's the kind of, I am not an animal, basically. And all these dozens of weird characters stranded the cube, give him a standing ovation, and tell him to walk out. He ends up in a hallway with this figure who is sort of the proprietor and manager of the cube. He just kind of has this executive air of authority, and he takes him into an office to sign some paperwork so the man can be free and go enjoy reality for the rest of his life. Congratulations. Actually, it didn't take you as long as we thought it would. And the unnamed cube prisoner man says it was simple to leave. He just had to remember that he was real, a real man of flesh and blood, etc. And at this point, he cuts his hand on a letter opener from the guy's desk. And he's actually happy. Because he's bleeding. So the executive type character tells him to taste it. He licks his hand, and to his astonishment... It's strawberry jam. The room transforms back into the cube, and the man is still trapped. Now, this is great for a couple of reasons, because on one level, there's all this existential philosophy at play. Sartre's mauvaise foi, you know, is the man actually playing along? Is he part of the game? Uh, there's the concept of solipsism. 
are there other cubes, other trapped prisoners, or it is all just in this guy's mind? Are the characters who are wandering in and out real or just part of his imagination? There's this idea of trying to seek out objective reality, whether the real exists, whether it's perceivable. The idea of Descartes' assertion of self, I think, therefore I am. It's sort of a philosophy 101 class and a kind of trippy one at that. So what's strangest of all about this? It was written and directed by Jim Henson. As in, yeah, the Muppets' Jim Henson. And this kind of puts his entire career into a different perspective. I mean, he spent the next 20 years making shag carpets into likable people, basically. Which, in and of itself, is pretty damn trippy. He obviously did some serious works, like the Dark Crystal and Labyrinth, but most people think of him for making children's puppets. And he made this live-action film about how we can never be sure of objective reality, or ultimately even subjective reality. He summons up a couple of thousand years of Western thought, and then summarily rejects most of it under an hour. So maybe when Kermit the Frog sings the Rainbow Connection, he's not literally lonely, but instead is expressing his inability to join with the lovers and dreamers and engage with the Dionysian Spiritus Mundi. Maybe Fozzie Bear's Waka 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 is a Dadaistic primal call to mankind to renounce the fetters of language games in a Wittgensteinian postmodern world. Henson imbued life into pieces of cloth, and now we just need to start taking them seriously. Or maybe it's all just... Strawberry jam. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, it has come to the time in the show where we close things out for the week. And we let the Mickey Mouse Club theme play in the background and give you our sad faces and just tell you about the shit that's bugging us. Uh, all right, Jimmers, what's on your mind? I've been trying to be really positive lately, and I'm failing woefully at this point. Um, this is going to be short and sweet, but I want to talk about FIFA and Sepp Blatter this week. Uh, after Ooh. they were having the meeting of the FIFA delegates this weekend, and seven of them, vice presidents and executive officials, were arrested for um, scandals regarding uh, bribery and conspiracy charges, um, Seb Blatter was re-elected by the FIFA yeah. delegates overwhelmingly. I think it was 133 to 73 was the margin of victory for him. And... Uh, I take away two axioms from this. Uh, the first of these two axioms is that anyone in a position of power who can get away with corruption is corrupt. The second axiom I take away from this is that the best you can do in democracy is hope to have a form of corruption where all of the bribery money, all of the graft kind of trickles down. Most of the people who are voting for Sepp Blatter were from developing countries, and Sepp Blatter had brought, I love that name, he had brought uh, the World Cup to Africa, South Africa uh -huh. in particular, in 2010. Uh, so the most you can do is try to get your piece of the pie, and that's how democracy really works. Any kind of illusions of white knights who are rising to positions of nobility and aristocracy, I think is gone. This is the best we can hope for as a society. Thank you.
Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, that was that's uplifting. good stuff, man. That was uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> that it was. Jeffrey, dope box, go. Well, I'm kind of talking about something, you know, different but similar enough. Uh, the, the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, um, there's way too much horribleness to go into in a dope box. But um, just basically, no, it's bad. In my latest episode of Sobcast, I, I equated it to a surprise bukkake. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, is that a thing? Like, are there surprise bukkakes in the world? I surely hope not. <laughs> it's like bukkake assassins. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, like the elevator doors open. I think Jeff just invented something. They're going to be blaming us for this. It's like, say what? What'd you say, Jimmers? Go. Just go. Yeah, Jimmers, uh, what'd you oh, say? I, I'm saying, like, the elevator door is open and there's 25 Japanese men with step stools. Oh, my God. Waiting for you. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait till you listen uh, to it. I never actually use the word bukkake, but if you know what a bukkake is, you're like, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> and the, and the yeah. innocent okay. people like my mother are going to be like, I wonder what he's talking about. What, is, what does he have to swallow? Otherwise, he gets sued. <laughs> Oh I'm gonna have to Google that. That she Google's she Google images that. <laughs> Thank and thanks you later. <laughs> oh God, but anyways, oh, Jeff, um, thanks for turning me on to Bukaki. <laughs> oh God, thanks. Oh Jesus, <laughs> mental image. Uh, but anyways, there's only I think they might vote on it again in like a month. So you only got like a month to do this. But who's uh, they? Um, the House, the Congress. Oh, oh that's right. Because uh, at first they were like unilaterally against it, but yeah, there's probably some like. Uh, Backdoor dealing, and now you know even the you know, the Democrats are like, oh, maybe it's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I thought Republicans you have, like, and Elizabeth Barack Warren Obama supported like, it. So what, what? what? How is this? How is this happening? Republicans and Barack Obama are supporting this. Yeah. I can't understand uh, yeah, how it possibly be bad for me. Then you have like Elizabeth Warren, who's like, I've tried to look at this thing, and I had to have like five armed guards, and I can only look at like three pages, and everything was yeah. redacted. Like it sounds sketchy as fuck. Right. Yeah, yeah, they're sworn to silence. It's like even if they look at it, they can't come out and like tell you what it says. They have to give their you their impression of what it said, and that's it. Yeah, with no details. Yeah, but anyways, go to whoismyrepresentative.com and find out who your who represents you in Congress and contact them. Um, like I said, I think you have less than a month to do so. And after that doesn't work, <laughs> and it passes anyways, uh, to truly stop stuff like this and to remove corporate interest and money from politics. I uh, need to go to. You Wolf. like Bernie Sanders? Oh, I love Bernie Sanders. But you need to go to Wolf. I say that's how we could stop it. Is you like Bernie Sanders? Well, go to wolf-pack.com. That's W-O-L-F-P-A-C.com, and they're trying to get a, a constitutional amendment. And uh, they've actually got three or four states already, and I think they need like ready to go twenty or thirty. But still, it's it's it might take a while, but it's going to be better than trying to do it through the at the national level. And um, right. Like I did my piece, or you could just get down on your knees, close your eyes, open up that mouth, and take what's coming to you. Oh, Bukaki. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, Jeff's mom. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, my dough box this week, guys, uh, stems from the Duggar oh. realm. Uh, this is something that 
I don't watch reality television at all. No. Um, I'm pretty selective about what I watch anyway, and I've never seen even 30 seconds of the show, but I've at least, I've heard of it. Uh, I do pay attention to some things, and, uh, I, the sad part of it is, it's like, I know people like the Duggars. I've met people like the Duggars, and I grew up around people like the Duggars. You mean the Breeding and- God's Army people? Just though, yeah, everything about it, the evangelical, uh, there's all sorts of things coming out now about how, uh, Michelle Duggar, who's like the matriarch, I don't even know if we can call her a matriarch because that religion doesn't allow that shit. <laughs> but, uh, the mother, uh, apparently got like a gay crew member for the show fired. And then there's a thing about how the, the dad, I guess his name is Jim Bob. Yes, I do believe so. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wait, hold um, on. His any... name is Jim Bob Duggar. Yeah, the, the yeah. patriarch of this family is fucking Jim, Jim Bob, Bob Duggar. Sure. Jim Bob Duggar. It's almost that good the, like the, uh, the Lions quarterback coaches, uh, Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, <laughs> we, should, we should have like a redneck off between those guys. Anyway, um, <laughs> eh, oh, I digress. Uh, anyway, so like, there's some there's some stuff coming out about. Of course, TLC has pulled the plug of the show, but. It's a shame that they had a following to begin with. Yes. And I, you know, obviously we, we do mention some political things on here anyway, and I don't, I don't intend to offend, but people, if you were watching this shit, why? Why the fuck would you watch these people who objectify women to the point that they are glorified holes and life support systems for babies? Why was this ever a thing? Why would people be cap? You know, I have people in my life who are evangelicals that are Christians and they're fine, but the people who really watched this stuff and were enamored with it or whatever, like, I don't understand. This is not reality. And you could talk about, oh, the secular world and versus the Jesus world. Well, if we're going to take that as fact, what happens in this closed doors of this little Jesus commune that they've created for themselves is you have one of the older brothers of this baby machine family who molests the daughters of this family. And then the daughters, what's come out of this is no one's talking about them and how they were victimized by the sexual abuse. Everything has been like, Oh, we just, we have to move on and forgive them and get them counseling. Apparently the counseling consisted of quote unquote porn counseling, not baby raping counseling. All right. (laughs) That's fucked up shit. The guy's a piece of shit. The Duggars pieces of shit. Uh, and that's not to say that the children are. Hopefully some of them, as they grow older, will wise up and get the fuck out and get some sense about them and learn that women have a lot more going for them than that. Yeah. No, it's like the Duck Dynasty thing with reality TV where uh, they're all supposed to be like living out in the bayou or whatever, but it turns out they're a bunch of rich frat boys. They were clean shaven uh, before they did the show. Or like Bristol Palin, you know, they're super conservative, socially conservative uh, political family. And then they're all fucking everybody in the state of Alaska, all, all four ooh, people. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't believe anything I see anymore. All right, guys, uh, I think we're we're done for the week here. Uh, we are officially episode six out. All right, and all we right. Have Memorial Day, B- so this is the beginning of summer. So B- bye bye, everybody. <laughs> later, see y'all. Later, later. Bye. I don't know what you've done. What daring, what outrageousness, what insolence, what arrogance. I salute you.
Coach Dig. What is thy bidding, my master? Shields up, Captain. This landing is gonna get pretty interesting. Defying interesting. Oh god, oh god, we're all gonna die? Perhaps today is a good day to This is Lord Vader. How can I help you? Illclitterate 33 writes, Dear Lord Vader, I am almost ashamed to admit this, but I am in my mid-thirties and have had very little experience in the ways of love. My career took off at a very young age, and I have had very little time to devote to the ladies. Now that I have been steadily dating a real live woman for almost a year now, I feel inept in pleasing her, though she would never say as much. Sadly, when it comes to the female anatomy, it might as well be the geography of Tatooine. It is almost completely unknown to me. I've consulted various websites and books. I've even taken notes from pornography. I just don't think it helps. Can the Dark Lord of the Sith provide me any guidance in this department? Thank you. Illclitrate 33 let me commend you for removing yourself from your mother's basement just long enough to find yourself a suitable partner. In dealing with matters of intimate love, I cannot recommend introducing mechanical objects highly enough. In fact, most of my experience, of course, is in this capacity. Though, I should tell you, chicks really love the dark side. Anyway, always keep the lines of communication open. And ask her, your real live woman that is, what does and does not work for her. And just to be clear, when I say mechanical objects, I mean sex toys, not any electronic action figures. This is your Dark Lord of the Sith, Lord Vader. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's the dark side, not the dork side. Wear your geek on your sleeve. But wearing Wookiee fur past Memorial Day is a fashion faux pas any time of the year. Mm -hmm.